I'm Bill Moyers. It's good to have your ear. The criminologist Bill Black lays bare how Washington and Wall Street are joined in a culture of corruption. It's an obscenity, and no one can claim with a straight face that if we prosecuted bankers as opposed to banks or sued bankers to get back their bonuses, that it would have any negative effect. It would have huge positive effects in sending the right message of accountability and the right message of deterrence. And of course, whichever president did it would be vastly more popular with the American people. Thanks for joining us. As you've heard, Eric Holder has announced that he's resigning as attorney general. He will leave behind a mixed scorecard, A for civil rights, C for civil liberties, and F for failing to prosecute the banking executives who brought about the financial calamity of 2008. Holder let the bankers off the hook individually as he negotiated civil settlements with their institutions for issuing mortgage-backed securities tied to faulty subprime loans. The billions of dollars in penalties the banks are paying will largely be borne by shareholders and by taxpayers as the banks write off the fines as the cost of doing business. The executives get off scot-free. But hold on, don't close the file yet. As Michael Hilzig wrote in the Los Angeles Times last week, given the government's failure to bring criminal cases against bankers and other Wall Street figures for collapsing the U.S. economy in 2008, it's been left to the little guy to strike back. And the little guy did just that in a case in Sacramento, where a federal jury acquitted four mortgage holders charged with fraud after hearing testimony that bank executives had pulled out all the stops to seduce them into taking out those toxic loans. One of the key expert witnesses in that case is with me now. Bill Black's testimony helped blow up the prosecution's contention that the little guy was the culprit when in fact it was the bank executives who had deliberately created the fraudulent loans to enrich themselves. They pulled off the classic shell game, bait and switch, take the money and run, let ordinary people suffer the consequences. It's a story Bill Black knows well. A scholar, litigator, and regulator, he helped prosecutors convict more than 1,000 crooked bankers during the horrific savings and loan scandals back in the 1980s and 90s. He exposed five United States senators, the so-called Keating Five, who took big campaign contributions from bank executive Charles H. Keating Jr. and then tried to help him hide his crimes from bank examiners. His classic book, The Best Way to Rob a Bank is to Own One, is now available in an updated edition. He holds two academic appointments, one at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and also at the University of Minnesota School of Law. And welcome back. Thank you. In a nutshell, what did the jury decide in Sacramento and why should we care? Well, this is the first time the jury has ever got to hear what actually caused the crisis. And the jury was horrified because it was the lenders who deliberately made massive amounts of fraudulent loans and then sold these massive amounts of fraudulent loans through additional frauds to the secondary market and eventually brought down the global financial system. And the testimony that came out in the case is that the FBI agents and the IRS agents simply assumed that the banks 
were the victims and the bankers were the victims and simply assumed that the little people, the mice, uh, were the problem in all of this. So they never even investigated the banks and the bankers. Um, the, 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 the mice? Yeah, and the saying in the savings and loan debacle is you never wanted to be the guy that was chasing mice while lions roamed the campsite. So the, the mice are these alleged tiny frauds uh, type of thing where they ignore the lions who are the CEOs of the banks and such. And the jury said, no, it's the lions, <laughs> it says, not the mice. Yes. So this is a crisis created by the lenders. Do you remember when... President Obama told 60 Minutes, I think it was late December of 2011, that some of the most damaging behavior on Wall Street was not illegal. I do. What did you think? I thought that he was wrong, that uh, in fact, if he listened to what the United States of America has demonstrated uh, in court and through investigations, the activity was clearly illegal it was a violation of a whole series of laws that make it felonies. And these are just the frauds that caused the crisis. In addition to the frauds that caused the crisis, which are massive when we could talk about, we have the largest cartel in world history. This was the bid rigging of LIBOR, uh, which is an international standard that sets the prices on over 300 trillion dollars in contracts. And then we have the foreclosure frauds where we have false affidavits, over 100,000 felonies in that context. And then we have the bid rigging on uh, bond prices um, where all the major banks, according to the Justice Department, were involved. And then we had the Federal Housing Finance Administration, uh, a federal agency, suing virtually every largest of uh, the largest 20 banks in the United States of America, saying they defrauded Fannie and Freddie through false sales. And it goes on and on. Savings and loan debacle, we made over 30,000 criminal referrals. Here, zero criminal referrals as far as we can get any public information. So... The first thing holders should have done is reestablish the criminal referral process because, you know, banks don't make criminal referrals against their own CEOs. Do you tell yourself, well, there is a justifiable and understandable reason why they don't prosecute? <laughs> no, there is no justifiable reason. Apparently, modern financial regulators are vastly more sophisticated than we were as financial regulators uh, 25 years ago because we had never figured out that the key to financial stability was leaving felons in charge of the largest financial institutions <laughs> in the world. But they do claim with a straight face that they can't prosecute. They make it sound like the only choice we have is to prosecute banks as opposed to bankers. And that's nuts, right? We've always prosecuted bankers. We prosecuted successfully over a thousand bankers uh, in the savings and loan and bank right. crises. And those are just the major cases and such. And it greatly enhanced financial stability instead of the other way around. Indeed, none of the people in that era came back in this crisis and were able to lead frauds. And they couldn't because they had criminal records. But in the next crisis, these folks have no criminal records. They'll easily be able to come back. In fact, if you want to create the next crisis and make it vastly worse, leave the 
people in charge who led the frauds in the senior ranks of the banks in charge of those banks. So now they have all the postgraduate education and how to run a fraud. And they learn that there are no consequences other than good consequences. There's clearly been a culture of deference toward the banks and the Obama administration. You would agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, I, again, I blame Holder. I blame Timothy Geithner. But they are fulfilling administration policies. The problem definitely comes from the top. And remember, Obama wouldn't have been president but for the financial contribution of bankers. And that's an extraordinary political story because the Clintons, of course, have been close to banking for decades and very supportive of it. But a junior senator from Illinois was able to outraise by a substantial margin political contributions from the banking industry to win that nomination and then outraise um, his opponent, who was, of course, famously or infamous for his support of banking, John McCain, um, <laughs> by more than two to one. And a person who led that effort to b take big finance money and get it to then Senator Obama was, uh, of course, Jamie Dimon, the CEO and chairman of the board of uh, J.P. Morgan. Whom the Times has referred to as President Obama's favorite banker. As his favorite banker, even though, uh, as uh, Holder now admits, uh, J.P. Morgan was one of the leading, uh, what we call in criminology, accounting control frauds in the world. It takes the New York Times six pages to list the violations on its website of J.P. Morgan Chase. So these are serial fraudsters, and Jamie Dimon has even said out loud uh, to his own shareholders what we call the accounting control fraud recipe. His phrase is, it's easy to produce low-quality revenue. Bad underwriting means income today and losses tomorrow. Now, of course, it doesn't mean real income today. It means fictional income through accounting fraud. So he gets it. If you have terrible, terrible underwriting, you will be mathematically guaranteed to report record profits that will make the executives wealthy through modern executive compensation. And if there's a problem, well, the government will bail you out and give you massive subsidies if you're too big to fail. And, of course, J.P. Morgan is the quintessential example of too big to fail, too big to jail. Do you remember when Obama was elected president, he called the bankers to the White House and he said, I'm all that's standing between you and the pitchforks, meaning between you and a an wronged and indignant public. I thought that was an obscene uh, statement, uh, slanderous about the American people. The American people don't want pitchforks. They want justice. They want these senior officers to be prosecuted. If they're found guilty, they want them to be sent to prison, and they want their fraudulent proceeds, the bonuses and compensation, to be recovered. And that is a very good thing about the American people. To man that wall between the bankers and the public, he chose Eric Holder, as everyone knows, who at the time was at the elite law firm of Covington Burling, which represents some of the very banks he would later exonerate from criminal prosecution. With him at justice were three other 
top lawyers from Covington, Burling, including the firm's star lawyer defending against white-collar crime, who became Holder's right-hand man running the criminal division of the Justice Department. What are we to make of that coincidence? Well, first, you should avoid it. But I want to caution that it isn't just a conflict. Uh, Indeed, that in some ways uh, takes us away from where the primary focus should be. So in the savings and loan crisis, President Bush, the first, brought in a Covington and Burling lawyer uh, when they represented uh, banks and such. And he promptly, his name is Harris Weinstein, Mm. increased enforcement actions by fivefold. And we went after the biggest folks, and we had by far our greatest victories. Because Harris Weinstein was picked because he was tough and competent, and because he was given a mission, which was you will go after the worst folks and you will demonstrate the rule of law exists in the United States, and that there was a political subtext of I inherit, I, President Bush, inherited this crisis, and uh, I'll be seen as fixing it show the American people that there is no exception to the rule of law, whereas Holder had exactly the opposite instructions, which are, you know, don't rock finance. And that was reinforced by Timothy Geithner, but again, Obama picked Timothy Geithner, who was notorious as the worst failed regulator in the United States of America in the field. Why do you think, on any evidence you have, that they didn't want to fix the problem? Two things. One, they were wrapped into this insanity that Timothy Geithner and Ben Bernanke were pushing that said, we must not do anything negative about the banks. We must instead foam the runways, is the infamous phrase of Timothy Geithner. Make a soft, safe landing. For the banks. For the banks. Not for the people. We will use the people as the excuse to get these programs, but the programs we all know are really for the banks. You you do acknowledge that there have been some big settlements. I mean, uh, not all of them by holder, but there have been settlements of over, you know, 125 or more billion dollars so far. Most of the money is actually deals they would have cut anyway. Um, and it's window dressing, but it's in the interests of both uh, the bank and the Justice Department to claim very large dollar amounts. Step back from what we've just been saying, though, and think, uh, you know, my lawyer hat on of negotiating deals like this. I'm representing the banks. You're Eric Holder. I know that you believe that I am too big to fail and that there'll be a disaster if I have any risk of failure. Are you going to ever assess a fine on me that matters to my institution? Of course not, because it would violate all of those conditions. So what do I want as CEO? Of course, I don't want to go to jail, and I'm happy to trade off some dollars in a fine to make sure that I never go to jail. But I also don't want the little officers to go to jail because they might be flipped by the prosecutors and the prosecution might move up the chain. So I want to negotiate immunity, not just for me, but for 
everybody. Otherwise, they'll rat on me. Otherwise, they might rat on me. And this immunity doesn't have to be formal. It's just no cases will occur, right? 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 So often there isn't a formal deal of immunity, but you see a practice of no prosecutions. And the other thing that I want in the best of all worlds, I want to make sure that I get to keep all my bonuses and compensation for all the frauds that I've led. And that's the other part of the deal. In all of these cases, they get to keep the fraud proceeds. That has never happened in modern United States. That is why it's the worst strategic failure, but it's also failure of integrity at the Justice Department and at the Obama administration. And the Bush administration was no better on this score. No, the, what you're saying is that more than one administration cooperated in maintaining a system that is based upon deference to the banks and irre- disrespect for the public. Right. And, but it's also a component in the case of Obama of... We're humans, and we are, everything we learn in research about humans is we're reciprocal. And so the finance administration uh, area is the reason he's president of the United States. When he was in his hour of greatest need, when he had, was written off as a candidate against uh, Hillary in the nomination battle the first time around, he had this miraculous survival, and that took money. That took lots and lots of money. And who gave that money? It came overwhelmingly from finance at the critical moment when I needed it most. All of us as human beings, the people that helped us, in, uh, a friend in need is a friend indeed, is the saying that we have as human beings. Is that a way to run the government of the United States? You know, it's a way to run it into the next disaster. You think that's possible? Oh, no, not possible. Uh, it, it's certain we have created the incentive structures that uh, is going to produce a much larger disaster. And just look at it. Again, it isn't just the frauds that led to the crisis. It is all the frauds afterwards. HSBC. HSBC knowingly launders over a billion dollars in funds for the Sinaloa cartel one of the most vicious cartel, drug cartels in the world that has caused the deaths of thousands of people. We don't prosecute. We have them dead to rights. We don't rem- say that you can't do business anymore. We take no serious sanction, just one of these silly fines uh, again. Standard Chartered, one of the, again, one of the largest banks in the world not only evaded sanctions on funding terrorist groups and nations that we say are funding terror, but actually had training manuals on how to deceive the United States regulators. So these are banks doing things used to be in those really bad novels that you would read at an airport when you had only 10% of your brain functioning, right, about bankers, these awful conspiracies, and they're funding terrorists and such. Well, they actually are. It's the modern reality. What does it say about our financial capitalism? Well, (laughs) there's no threat to capitalism like capitalists. Uh, They are destroying the underpinnings. And when uh, 
dishonest people gain a competitive advantage in markets, it creates something that in economics and criminology we call a Gresham's dynamic. And that means bad ethics drives good ethics out of the marketplace. And so the key is to have a real rule of law, to have real regulation. Because that not only protects the consumer, it protects the honest banker. But you've just described a situation which has to discourage folks out there. You know that, that they understand what you're saying, but you've also described why it can't be fixed because of the relationship between Wall Street and Washington. So, first, Citizens United has made this far worse, and that's an atrocious decision, and it has to be uh, overturned if we're going to restore our democracy. But beyond that, there's never going to be a decisive victory against power and money and finance. We have, it, we have to fight. Every generation has to engage in this struggle. And if it gives up and says it's hopeless, well, it'll give up and it will be hopeless. Bill Black, thank you very much for being with me. Thank you. At our website, BillMoyers.com, see the top five bank bailouts that you probably have never heard about. That's all at BillMoyers.com. I'll see you there, and I'll see you here next time. Moyers & Company is produced by Public Affairs Television. You can learn more about the team that collaborates to produce the series at BillMoyers.com. Funding is provided by Ann Gumowitz, encouraging the renewal of democracy. Carnegie Corporation of New York, supporting innovations in education, democratic engagement, and the advancement of international peace and security at Carnegie.org. The Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. The Herb Alpert Foundation, supporting organizations whose mission is to promote compassion and creativity in our society. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, Committed to building a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. More information at macfound.org. Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues. The Kohlberg Foundation, Barbara G. Fleischman. And by our sole corporate sponsor, Mutual of America. Designing customized individual and group retirement products. That's why we're your retirement company.